Hello and welcome. You're listening to an episode of Boldly Going Nowhere. I'm George Burton, and I'm not in this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Boldly Going Nowhere. This is your one true host, Jordan Ashraft. Uh, no George tonight, as usual. Tonight, we are going to do a California general election ballot walkthrough. One of my sisters asked me to do this, so I did some studying this weekend, and I made all my decisions, and I'm going to walk you through the ballot. I will give you an overview of what the ballot wants to do or claims to do, and then we will talk about maybe the reality of that situation a little bit. From both sides, if there is both sides. And then I will tell you how I'm going to vote. And then I'm going to also try, this is going to be a game, I'm going to try to guess how George would vote. And then I will talk to him, and I will get back to you and see how I did. Oh, no recommendation tonight. Uh, like, go go watch The Good Place. I just finished it. It's really good. All right, before the ballots, or before the um, propositions, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden, because I'm not a monster. And then... Then I'm going to vote for the mayor of West Sacramento, Christopher Cabalon, or Calbadon. I don't know how you say his last name. He's a really good mayor. And then speaking of local politics, if you live in Vacaville and you live in the right part of Vacaville, you can vote for George because George is running for, uh, crap, what's it called? The school board. I think it's the second district. I don't know what district it is, but whatever name, if his name is on your ballot, you can vote for him. So you should vote for him. Hold on. I'm drinking hot chocolate. If you hear some tinkering, that's what it is. I don't want to edit this podcast very much, so I'm probably going to leave a lot of stuff in that I normally would not. Okay, so first proposition is Proposition 14, which... Oh, wait. Where's the descriptor? Hold on. All right, Proposition 14 authorizes bond continuing stem cell research. Authorizes 5.5 billion state bonds for stem cell and other medical research, including training, research facility construction, administrative costs. Dedicates 1.5 billion to brain-related diseases specifically. Uh, appropriates general fund monies for repayments of said bonds. Expands related programs. Fiscal impact. Increased state cost repay bonds estimated about $260 million per year over the next roughly 30 years. So if you vote yes, you are voting to... Um, Issue those bonds and continue the stem cell research. If you vote no, you are voting to not, obviously. This is basically a continuing funding for uh, Proposition... What's it called? So like 20 years ago, we passed Proposition 71, which allocated a bunch of money to do this kind of funding and research. And that money's running out, as it was always supposed to, basically. This is basically like you're re-upping that money for continued research. For what I would imagine is a similar amount of time, about 20-odd years. The previous funding has led to a bunch of scientific breakthroughs, a bunch of patents, a bunch of, uh, you know, 
discovered knowledge and information about stem cell research, blah, blah, blah. The difference between now and then is that federal funding was not allowed for stem cell research because the Bush administration wouldn't allow it because depending on what kind of stem stem cells you use, you might be using stem cells from an aborted fetus. Um, That old, the rule or whatever that doesn't allow federal funding to uh, fund that kind of stuff is no longer in place. So there is federal funding for it. For this kind of research, you could also, if you're also, you could argue. So, so if you're against it, you're against it because there's federal funding, which is easily accessible for California, and because we're about, we're in a recession, and we're in a recession that literally might not end for who knows how long. That state funding, that state money, might be better allocated to other places, which is fair. Um, you might be morally opposed to stem cell research, which I understand. I disagree with, but I understand. Uh, I am voting yes. I think that continuing scientific research is important. It does create jobs. It maintains jobs. Um, it keeps California on the edge of like real scientific research and breakthrough. Uh, the UC system sees a lot of this money. Other California-based schools and academic institutions see some of this money, Excuse me, which is good for the state. Uh, so yeah, I am voting. Yes. Hold on. 15. All right, Proposition 15 increases funding sources for public schools, community colleges, and local government services by changing tax assessment of commercial and industrial property. Uh, this would tax such properties as listed above based on current market market value instead of purchase price whenever that purchase price might have happened 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, fiscal impact increased property taxes on commercial properties worth more than $3 million, providing $6.5 billion to about $12 billion in new funding. To local governments and schools. Local governments would get about 60% of it. Uh, schools would get about 40% of it. Alright, hold on. Alright, if you live in California and you are a homeowner or a property owner or you're old enough, you might have heard of Proposition 13 from back in the 70s. It basically limits property taxes based on when you bought the thing or bought the property, not on like current value. So if I bought a house in 1985 for $100,000, now worth $500,000. I don't pay property taxes for a house that's worth $500,000. I pay a tax for a house that's worth $100,000. It's like the third rail of California politics. No one wants to touch it, but everyone kind of realizes that Proposition 13 has really skewed and uh, warped the state's tax structure and ability to uh, raise funds through taxes, through property taxes. Uh, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's like the linchpin of California politics. Like, It doesn't get any bigger trying to modify Proposition 13. So what Proposition 15 from this year would do is it allows the government to assess the property value of a commercial or industrial property and tax it if it's worth over $3 million at modern rates. So what the thing, what the property would be valued at now. So if I had a factory that was worth, that I bought whenever for a million dollars and it was now worth $20 million, I would be taxed at a $20 million rate. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, the current rate would go in effect over the next couple of years, and you wouldn't see the, f- the full fallout of this, uh, of Prop 15 for, you know, like till 2026, I believe is what I read. Uh, if you see, if you're online, you see a lot of commercials against this, obviously, and they're using a lot of farms. But as far as I read the bill, farms are exempt from this, but I'm not sure about that. So that might change how you feel about it. If farms are exempt, Maybe you feel more inclined to vote for it. If not, maybe maybe you're maybe you're you know you have sympathy for farmers. You like farmers, whatever. You are a farmer. You're gonna vote against it. 
but I cannot confirm either way if farms are exempt or not because the language is a very is pretty vague. So if you're against it, you're against it because you don't want taxes to go up. And taxes will go up under this, obviously. And some of that cost will be spread on to consumers just because I don't own, like, just because I don't own a factory doesn't mean that factory owner is not going to try to pass on the cost of his higher taxes to me, to you, to even his employees. He might pay them less or try to pay them less, blah, blah, blah. So you will see some uh, spreading of the cost to everyone, basically. It doesn't mean it's not worth it because it would generate a lot of money and that money can be used by the state for a lot of good things. If you believe in, you know, the state helping people, which I generally do. Oh, I forgot. Uh, George, for Prop 14, I'm willing to bet George would vote for it. He might not because of the recession. Also, I know. No, we'll get to that later. Um, so for Prop 15, I am inclined to vote against it because we're in a recession and I don't want to spike taxes for people. Also, California has already had a lot of uh, taxes for certain kinds of people, like business owners and the like. And even though a lot of business owners are exempt from this Prop 15, that doesn't mean they're all exempt. I would rather not do that now. I think this prop has merit to it, but I do also think that it's kind of like absurdly bad timing. So, I'm voting no. All right, Proposition 16. Allows diversity as a factor in public employment, education, and contracting decisions. Uh, permits government decision-making policies to consider race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin. Excuse me. In order to address diversity by repealing constitutional provision prohibiting such policies, so this would allow affirmative action to be uh, to factor into a government, the state's decision making for hiring purposes, contracting like maybe a construction job to someone or anything like that. It does not demand affirmative action. To be clear, and a lot of these decisions would be on a state by or not on a state by state, but a uh, city by city, county by county uh, situation. So you could see like West Sacramento doing some sort of um, affirmative action, but then Vacaville might not, and both of those decisions would be valid because both cities are empowered by this proposition to chart their own course when it comes to affirmative action. Um. It doesn't violate any of the federal laws against certain kinds of affirmative action, so there are limits on what this affirmative action um, input could look like. This is uh, it's seems pretty controversial, uh, especially in light of the protests this summer. Um, my understanding is that this proposition was basically dead on arrival like four months ago, and now people think it might pass, which is pretty wild change when you think about it. Um, the, uh, effort or the goals of this proposition have kind of become affiliated with Black Lives Matter. On the other hand, you have Asian communities who are concerned about affirmative action hurting them because we've seen a lot of cases where affirmative action has disproportionately hurt Asian communities or Asian populations like Google, the Harvard Asian affirmative action, like just Google that you'll see a story about how affirmative action at Ivy League schools ended up hurting uh, not like white kids, which is something you might expect to a certain degree, but it ended up hurting Asian kids to a un or to a surprising amount. So it's complicated. Affirmative action is complicated. Affirmative action has been outlawed in this state for like 20, 30, 25, 30 years. That's my understanding. I think this proposition is complicated, but I am going to vote yes. Uh, partially because it doesn't mandate any 
city or county or whatever to do anything, but it does give them a freedom to do something. And I think that like federalism, federalism is often is the idea that states are allowed a certain or the state in okay in America, federalism is the idea that the states are allowed to be different from each other and to have different rules and laws and expectations of themselves and their citizens. So that's why like you know. California has higher tax rates than, like, Texas. And, like, if you like that, if you like lower taxes, move to Texas. But if you like some of the things that a larger tax base likes, you stay in California. This is another version of that. It allows local cities, and therefore, by extension, local people, like you and me, to express how we want our communities to spend their government money, to empower people or to not empower people. So, for that reason, I am voting yes. I mean, I'm in, I'm in favor of affirmative action in a general sense anyways, but yeah, voting yes. All right. Flip the page. Proposition. Oh, George would vote no on this. I can't imagine George would like the idea of this. <laughs> George understands that, like, sometimes minorities need a certain amount of help, but George does not like affirmative action. I'm willing to bet. All right. Proposition 17. Restores rights to vote after completion of prison term. Restores voting rights upon completion of prison term to persons who have been disqualified from voting while serving a prison term. Uh, negligible fiscal impact. You'd have some like an administrative cost because technically more people are registering to vote. All right. 17. Amend state constitution to restore voting rights to persons who have been disqualified. Oh, I already read that. So, as things stand right now, if you are in California and you are in prison, you cannot vote. If you are in um, California and you are on parole, you cannot vote. What this does, and basically this is all that it does, is it allows people on parole to vote. It does not lower sentences. It does not ease sentences. It doesn't affect a person's prison term or their parole term, like the length of it, at all. Except for the fact that people on parole can vote. I am voting yes. I don't see a reason not to vote yes, honestly. Like, I suppose if you think that part of a person's punishment should be that they can't vote for the entire term of their prison sentence as well as their parole. Okay, that makes sense. Like, there's a logic to that. But I don't, I think that's really immoral. Like, when you're on parole, you are you are integrating back into society. And part of integrating back into society is you take up some of your old civic responsibilities, one of which is voting. Uh, there's a study out of Florida that shows that uh, people on parole who vote are less likely to commit crimes and go back to prison. I don't know how to what degree, like what the percentage is, but that sounds good. And also, I just think that people should vote. Frankly, I would have prisoners vote. This doesn't go far enough for me on a personal level, but I think it's a good step forward. I think that having prisoners vote, or I'm sorry, having prisoners not vote is taxation without representation. Because when we take the census, which we did this year, did you fill out your census? You should have. We take in the population of prisons. So like, uh, I'm from Vacaville. Solano County has a prison in Vacaville. When we do the census information, we send to the, to the state and to the federal government, the population of Vacaville in Solano County includes the prisoner population, which I don't know what it is, but it doesn't matter. It's men and women who we allocate resources for and we get more money because they exist in our county, but then they don't get a say in voting. That is deeply, deeply immoral to me. So I am voting yes on this 1,000%. And I think the only justification for not voting for it is if you just think that that not voting should be part of the punishment for parole, 
Which again, I don't understand. And I think you're wrong. Sorry, Mom. All right, 18. Amends California Constitution to permit 17-year-olds to vote in primary and special elections if they will turn 18 by the next general election and be otherwise eligible to vote. Does exactly what it says. So what this means is, let's take this year for example. Uh, if you, it is, what's the date today? Today is October 26th. So let's say you are a 17-year-old who turns 18 tomorrow, which means next Tuesday when we all vote in the general, you are eligible to vote. If this proposition had been in effect already, you would have been able to vote in the primary. So you would have been able to vote for, in the Democratic Party, or the Democratic primary, you'd be able to vote for, you know, any of the 10 people who ran. If you were in the Republican Party, you would have been able to vote for whoever was on the ticket for that. Trump and then whoever, you know, whoever was running against him. That uh, Joe Walsh guy. Um, you would also been so, but it doesn't limit it to just uh, the presidential candidates, which I thought it did at first. You would have been able to vote in any aspect of those other elections. So if there was a proposition a couple months ago, like in June and July, you'd have been able to vote on that. Also, technically, in Cal under California law, you're allowed to run for office because if you're eligible to vote, you're eligible to run for office as long as you um, are not a certain kind of criminal or ex-con. So there is that to consider, which occasionally you do hear about young people running for office. And it seems kind of weird, but it does happen from time to time, even though it's not it's not a big deal, frankly. Um, if you're for this, you're for this because you want more people to be involved in the voting process, which is important. Americans don't vote like they ought to. Young people super don't vote like they ought to. Uh, just ask Bernie Sanders, whose whole plan was having young people vote in ways they never have ever voted for ever in the history of America. If you're against this, you are probably just because kids, kids shouldn't be allowed to vote. Uh, they're 17-year-olds. They're children. They shouldn't be able to vote. You can vote when you're 18, just like it's always been. I am voting yes for this. Um, I, again, would actually lower the age of voting to, like, 16. Um, I think if you can drive a car and you can have a job, you should be able to vote. Because if you have, if you drive a car, well, not, well if you drive a car and you have a job, if you have a job, you pay taxes. And I, if you pay taxes, you should have a vote and you should have a say in those taxes. And the only real way you can have a say in taxes in the state is if you vote. Because you can vote for people who have different tax policies. You can vote for maybe a proposition that has a certain kind of tax policy in it. Or rewrites the tax code. Whatever. If you get taxed in this country, I'm I'm pretty on board with you being able to vote. George would probably vote no. But actually, I could see him voting yes and or not caring that much about this one so we'll have to ask him i'm kind of i'm super unsure about that one we are doing proposition 19 changes certain property tax rules this one's a little complicated allows homeowners who are over 55 disabled or wildfire disaster victims to transfer primary residence tax base to replacement residence changes taxation of family property transfers establishes fire protection service fund um, all right, this one's a little complicated in parts. So the first part is simple. It allows um, homeowners who are over the age of 55 uh, who are severely disabled or whose homes were destroyed by the wildfires to transfer that property tax that they have on their current home to another home if, across the whole entire state. So like, let's say I live in Vacaville, my house burns down from a wildfire and I want to move to San Diego. I can transfer... Uh, and I, let's say I qualify for this transfer token or whatever you want to call it. 
It allows me to transfer the tax rate that I'm being that I'm paying in in Vacaville for my property taxes to my new property in San Diego. Whatever the real value of that house in San Diego is. What else does it do? Uh, okay, so it limits tax benefits for certain transfers of real property between family members. Basically, what this does is, if you are a parent or a grandparent and you die, in your house, you will it like your your children or your grandchildren are the inheritance inheritors of your house. If, oh man, it's complicated. No, it's not complicated, but it's very specific. Hold on. So initially the rules do not change. If the house that you are sent, you are, you, the house that your children inherit, they're going to live in it. So like if my parent, if let's say this proposition was in effect, if my parents died and they willed the house to me and I moved in and I lived in the house, I would get to keep the old uh, property tax value from whenever they bought it a million years ago. If, however, I inherit the house and I want to set it up as a rental or uh, I'm going to do an Airbnb in Vacaville or I'm going to uh, like rent it to my cousins and that is not my primary place of um, living, I do not get that tax benefit anymore. And also, if you have um, like a more valuable piece of property, it taxes you a little bit higher if... The property could be sold for uh, more than a million dollars more than the property's taxable value. What I believe that means is if my house that I inherited, or the house that I inherited that I'm turning into an Airbnb, um, the difference between the current property tax rate and what would be the new updated tax rate is uh, the value of the house is more than a million dollars, I would have to pay more. I would have not have to pay modern property taxes. Like if I bought the house cold from a stranger, but I would have to pay more than I otherwise would. Uh, and also, this proposition, for some strange reason, dedicates a certain amount of money for fire protection into a fund that the general fund is not allowed to um, like borrow money out of. Like how the federal government borrows out of the Social Security all the t fund all the time, which is why everyone thinks the Social Security fund is going to go broke soon. I don't know why that's in there. Propositions are weird. Uh, this is a good time. Well, let me finish this prop and then I'll talk about what I'll, my larger issue. Uh, what am I voting on this? Did I not make a decision? I'm torn on this one. That's right. Okay. I am I would vote no because this does hurt younger folk in California. And the younger generation, essentially my generation and younger, uh, we're poor. And we're going to be poor forever. And whatever little scraps of money we can get from our parents, from our grandparents, from inheritance, is a good thing. However, um, this bill would also close some loopholes that allows people to be way undertaxed for their properties if they like designate them as a summer home or whatever i don't care about that as much so i am going to vote no okay george would vote no as well george would someday will if this bill if this proposition passed george would see an increase in his taxes on certain things he is bound to inherit and he would not like that. And why would he? Alright, prop. Oh, wait, are you still recording? Alright, proposition 20. This is where things get a little knotted. So, before we go into proposition 20, you should know that this podcast, both podcast hosts, when there are two of us, we don't like California's proposition system in general. It's too easy to put stuff on the proposition or on the on a on a on a election, as you will see, we're about to come into some repeats, basically because special interests, or in one case, a really rich guy is really gung ho about a topic, and he just keeps putting it on the ballot. It's ridiculous. 
It's way, like I said, it's way too easy to put stuff on a ballot for, under a proposition. We are a representative uh, republic or a representative democracy, whatever you want to call us. We elect people to go to Cal- to go to Sacramento, to go to Washington D.C., and to govern for us on our behalf. We empower them to do things. Some of these propositions were coming up that are coming up. I don't even disagree with some of the merits of them. It's just that I genuinely don't think that these things should be propositions. Your average voter is not like qualified to really make an informed decision about some of these. One of them I had to watch like three or four videos and read a bunch of articles to really understand like what it's actually doing. And it's very, frankly, it's ridiculous that these things are on the proposition. They should not be. They should be uh, voted on and worked on in the legislature with the governor and the assembly. Like, it's absurd. Not the assembly. We don't call her. Wait, do we call her assembly? Whatever. You know what I mean. So, Proposition 20. Restricts parole for certain offenses currently considered to be non-violent. Authorizes felony sentences for certain offenses currently treated only as misdemeanors. Uh, limits access to parole program established for non-violent offenders who have completed the full term of their primary offense by eliminating eligibility for certain offenses. This one is a lot, so I'm going to explain it to you. So it limits access to parole, like parole at all, uh, for certain nonviolent offenders who have completed the full term of their primary off- offense by eliminating eligibility for certain offenses, like we said. Uh, it changes standards and requirements governing parole decisions under this program. It authorizes felony charges for specified theft crimes currently chargeable only as misdemeanors, including some theft crimes where the value is between $250 and $950. So, broadly speaking, obviously, certain kinds of crime, like theft, can be a misdemeanor, depending on the value, and it can also be a felony, again, depending on the value. So, this bumps up certain theft-based or theft crimes that are considered misdemeanors, to either just being straight up felonies or at the uh, the attorney in the judge's discretion, they can be charged as a felony. They're wobblers, it's called, somewhere in here. Uh, it also requires persons convicted of specified misdemeanors to submit to collection of DNA samples for state database. That would also be the federal, state, the federal DNA database. So let's go through this one at a time. Proposition 20 creates two new theft-related crimes. Any person... So the first one is called serial theft. Any person with two or more past convictions for certain theft-related crimes who was found guilty of shoplifting or petty theft involving property worth more than $250 could be charged with a serial theft. They don't have to be, but they could be. Uh, the next one is called organized retail theft. Any person acting with others who commits petty theft or shoplifting two or more times where the total value of property stolen within 180 days exceeds $250 could be charged with organized retail theft. So basically, if I robbed a store on Monday for $80 and then robbed them on Wednesday for $100 and Friday for another $100, I've robbed them for $280. And then I could be charged. 
Um, both of, like I said, both of these new crimes would be wobblers, which means they are punishable either by as a misdemeanor or as a felony, depending upon uh, the court's discretion. Uh, it also ups. It also changes uh, a current. So currently, if you steal from a store for nine hundred fifty dollars or less, it's a misdemeanor. But this would um, this would also. Let's uh, see. I already said that. Okay, just forget that. Right, another aspect of Proposition 20 is that it changes um, certain kinds of felonies, um, qualifications for parole. Uh, it excludes some inmates from the process of getting parole, such as those convicted of some types of assault and domestic violence, which seems reasonable. It changes some of the requirements for parole to deny release to inmates who pose an unreasonable risk of committing felonies that result in victims, like at all rather than only those who pose an unreasonable risk of violence. So, like, a theft is not an act of violence in the way that an assault is. <sighs> okay. And also, last but not least, randomly, it expands DNA collection. Uh, this proposition requires state and local law enforcement to also collect DNA samples from adults convicted of certain misdemeanors. These crimes include shoplifting, forging checks, and certain domestic violence crimes. Uh, I am voting, well, okay, if you were going to vote yes on this, you would basically vote yes because you think these more stringent uh, requirements for parole are worth it, and you think that uh, theft, certain kinds of theft are not misdemeanors, they're f uh, felonies, and you don't mind the DNA collection thing. Uh, if you vote no, you disagree with some amount of this proposition because there's a lot in this proposition to dis not to disagree with, but there's a lot in it. So you could disagree with any number of things in it, and therefore you'd vote no. I am voting no. I don't like the bumping up of certain kinds of misdemeanors to felonies, and I don't like the DNA thing for misdemeanors as well. Um. I also don't think that this should be a proposition. This proposition is being funded almost entirely by the supermarket industry because they experience a lot of theft, which again, I understand is terrible, but also these are private companies who can hire their own security, who could take a, a, um, more stringent security methods and measures in their stores. But instead of doing that, which would cost them money, they're trying to bump it off to the public, and I don't like that. And also, I think that adjusting the legal code is not something a proposition should be doing. So, voting no. Even though, by no means, do I disagree with all of this proposition. 21. Expands local government's authority to enact rent control or re on residential property. Allows local governments to establish rent control on residential properties over 15 years old. Local limits on rate increases may differ from statewide, statewide limit. Uh, this does something else. Hold on. All right. In accordance with California law, prohibits rent control from violating landlords' right to fair financial return. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, does this proposition sound familiar to you? It should. We voted on it two years ago. <laughs> and we voted no. It. Th this is essentially the same proposition from two years ago. It did not pass. Um... Basically, what it does is it establishes rent control for certain types of rental buildings, and it doesn't like freeze rent. It just slows down rent. Like uh, landlords can only raise rent a certain percentage each year, or each three-year period, I believe. I'm not sure which one it is, but regardless, it kind of slows down rent, but not to such a degree that 
these landlords cannot expect a fair right of financial return. So they're allowed to make a profit of some kind. Now, the wording is vague on what that um, profit is. I guess this has been decided in the courts. And as usual, the courts make a nice sounding phrase that doesn't have any specifics in it. So I'm not quite sure what that means. But basically, it gives it, it gives landlords like a legal um, backstop to guarantee that they're making some kind of money. So they're not going to like go broke, I guess. Poor landlords. Also, it exempts any landlords who only own two or less properties. So like let's say you are renting a house. It doesn't, this doesn't apply to you. You can jack up the rent however you want. Uh, I am voting yes, just like I voted yes on last time. I think rent control is important. I think that wages are stagnant. People are not making more and more money as the years goes by, as they're quote-unquote supposed to. I think we're about to enter into a recession. You're already seeing renters and landlords fight over um, people being kicked out in the middle of a pandemic where they have nowhere to go and no jobs. You need to protect people's I would call it a right to a house or to a, a, a domicile, a place to live, as much as we can. So I'm voting yes on this. If you don't know on it, I don't know. You're a jerk or you're a jerky landlord who doesn't like your tenants. I don't know. You're probably a bad person. Oh, also, it should be noted that this does not demand, like, again, like the affirmative action thing. This does not force local governments to create some sort of rent control. It allows them more freedom to create some sort of rent control that, Hopefully, their involved local population is informing them on. So, like, again, West Sacramento's rent controls can be very different from Vacaville's or even Sacramento's across the river. It uh, is, a again, it's a form of federalism, if you really think about it, that I support. I like having local places um, reflect the values and the, the needs and the goals of the local population and not a statewide or federal-wide uh, mandate. Another reason for me to vote for it. Did I tell you what George was going to vote on the last one? George would probably vote yes on Proposition 20, and he would probably vote yes on Proposition 21. Though he might not. Nah, but he voted He voted against it last time, so he's voting against it this time. Let's not give him the benefit of the doubt. He smells. Alright. 22. Uh, exempts app-based transportation and delivery companies from providing employee benefits to certain drivers. Classifies app-based drivers as independent contractors instead of employees and provides independent contractor drivers, wait, and provides independent contractor drivers other compensation unless certain criteria are met. Uh, this is like the Uber bill or the Lyft bill or the DoorDash bill, depending on what you've seen online or whatnot, or if you're getting annoying text messages from alleged Uber drivers um, telling you how much they love to work at Uber. Uh, I don't know if it was a law or a legal or a court case. I forget which one it was, but recently California basically told Uber and DoorDash and Lyft and Post, I'm assuming Postmates, which is the one I use the most. It told all of these app-based like gig economy uh, companies that they have to treat employees in California as if they're employees or they have to work. They have to treat their workers, however you want to call it, as employees, which means benefits, sick time, um, minimum wage, uh, compensation for like on-duty um, injury, stuff like that. Those companies have um, Uber is probably the loudest and most infamous about it, but I think they all do it. They've all basically claimed that they can't afford to do that. They're all pretty new companies who are still in that time where they're losing a lot of money because they're trying to grow and establish their 
company, like wherever they are in the world, um, they say they can't afford this, that they can't afford to treat their workers like employees. They have to treat them like independent workers. And they try to maintain that this benefits the workers by giving them more, you know, independence. They can work whenever they want, however long they want. No one can make them work, blah, blah, blah. Independent contractors don't have to take every uh, Uber beep. So, like, if you don't want to drive out to the airport because some schmuck wants you to, you can say no. Uh, it's preposterous. This is ridiculous. Uh, I This is horrible. <laughs> Vote no on this. It's gross. <laughs> Wait, let me confirm that you have to vote no. <laughs> yeah, vote no. I do not want labor law written by Uber. I do not want uh, the rights of workers to be decided by Postmates, who didn't even exist five years ago. This is absurd. It doesn't even, the worst part is, it doesn't even um, affect all so-called independent contractors in California. Like, my mom is technically an independent contractor. I think that's changing. But whatever. This wouldn't even affect her. It creates an exemption for uh, app-based transportation and delivery companies. It's gross. These companies have spent hundreds of millions of dollars fighting this proposition. Or fighting for this proposition. Or fighting against this proposition. Damn it. Uh, they could have been using that money to pay for their people's health insurance. It's gross. These people work for these companies. You say you can't give them flexibility if they're your employees, but that's patently absurd because you could. You could just say, hey, you work for us, and when you're on the clock, you're on the clock. And if you don't work a certain amount of hours, you're part-time or you're full-time. That's all perfectly legitimate. But you should not say that, oh, Uber, which is a ride service that entire that in relies entirely on a driver picking your butt up and taking you someplace doesn't have employees at all it's so stupid vote no vote no twice gross um why would you be for this i don't know why you'd be for this maybe you have a lot of uber stock are you an uber ceo are you just like are you so high up in the world you don't care about workers and workers' rights? I don't know. Maybe. I guess. I would like to think I could convince George to vote no on this. George probably does not know a whole lot about this kind of stuff because George does not engage with gig economy stuff very much in his life. Also, here's another lame part. Let's say this proposition passed. It would then require a 7th, 8th majority of uh, the legislature in California to ever amend it. That's absurd. Ugh, it's gross. Vote no. All right, prop 23. Uh, establishes state requirements for kidney dialysis clinics requires on-site medical professional initiative statute. No, no, ignore that last part. Requires physician, nurse practitioner, or physician assistant on-site during dialysis treatment. Prohibits clinics from reducing services without state approval. Prohibits clinics from refusing to treat patients based on payment source like their insurance. Um, that's it okay 23 uh basically what this does on paper is it kind of ups some of the standards and expectations for dialysis um centers uh dialysis is like if your kidney's failing you go to a dialysis center multiple times a week and it cleans out all of your blood and then it puts it back into your body and it's clean blood what your kidneys would normally do but they can't a dialysis machine does 
by every expect by every expectation that I or not every expectation everything I can read this would close dialysis centers which seems ludicrously dangerous for people in the wrong area if you're up in Reading and there's one dialysis location you're screwed that seems dumb also this was on the this was on the ballot like two years ago we voted no back then also this shouldn't be a ballot I am or this should be a proposition I am not a doctor I don't know if any of this is legitimate. Maybe there should be a doctor on site every hour of every day, but I don't know that. I am not prepared or um, educated to make that decision under any circumstances. Like, you, I could watch an hour presentation. I'm still not a medical professional. It's absurd. <clears throat> so, no. No, shouldn't be a proposition. No, we voted no on this literally, or maybe four years ago. I don't remember which one it was. George would vote no on this as well. Proposition 24 is the worst. Proposition 24 amends consumer privacy laws, uh, permits consumers to prevent businesses from sharing personal information, cor uh, correct inaccurate personal information, and limits businesses' use of sensitive personal information, such as uh, precise geolocation, race, ethnicity, and health information. Also, like your social security number, which I thought was weird. Establishes California Privacy Protection Agency. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. This is a mess of a proposition. I'm going to explain it basically as well as I can, uh, but it's complicated. All right. First part, permits consumers to uh, prevent businesses from sharing personal information. So basically you can tell a company that has some of your personal information not to sell it. Companies often make a tidy profit off of selling your information to other companies who then like might send you uh, targeted ads or might send you mail that they know that you're interested in or whatever. Oh, screen went away. Sorry. Uh, this kind of information would include, uh, like I said, race, ethnicity, religion, genetic data. So like if you sent your DNA into one of those companies, which you should not do. Uh, sexual orientation, um, any specific health information, like if you had diabetes. Uh, it establishes a state agency to basically oversee this process. Um, it changes criteria for which businesses must comply with the law. What it doesn't tell you is that it makes, uh, it gives businesses more power to say no. So like if I told company A, I don't want them to use my special, my information and sell it to other companies or to even pass it along to like maybe their business partners, they can just say no. Cause as long as they justify it as like it, it, um, improves my customer experience, they can say no. It's ridiculous. Um, it, uh, it, it like triples fines if you violate these things, which whatever. Um, and it authorizes more civil penalties for, uh, certain kinds of theft or consumer of theft of consumer login information, which, so like, I guess if a company stole my login information, I don't know. I think it just applies to criminals, whatever. Uh, this bill is a mess or this proposition. I keep calling them bills. It's very annoying. This proposition is a mess. Like privacy uh, advocates, privacy groups are like almost 50-50 on it. Some of them like it. Some of them don't like it. Also, try to explain to yourself. Like go read, go read what it says. It's really hard to understand. It's super complicated. In the end, I don't think it does anything for you. Like that is worth being a proposition. Going back to my skepticism of propositions in general. Um it does provide certain kinds of privacy rights, but then it also gives businesses more power to say no to honoring those rights, which I don't understand. Uh, let's go to the argument page because I made some notes. 
Oh, it also limits how many companies that are can be regulated. Like it, um, it makes so that less companies uh, match the criteria to be regulated with your data, which is stupid. Um, the ACLU is against it, which I like. Generally speaking, I like the ACLU. Uh, it's basically part of it is framed as a pay for privacy scheme because I forgot to say this. If you want some of the added privacy protections, you have to pay the, the company. You have to buy the product. So, like, let's say you log into a. Um, Let's say you log into a website and uh, don't buy something, but they still have some of your private information because you signed up or whatever, or you logged in. They can use that, and you don't have any right to tell them not to because you didn't buy anything. It's stupid. There's no real enforcement because there's just fines, and the fines aren't that big. And for every step forward, there seems to be a step backwards, so it's just a mess. I'm voting no. Honestly, like, I guess you would vote yes if you liked certain aspects of this a lot, which I don't... (laughs) There's nothing in here that's, like, that cool. George would vote no. George would be mad this is the proposition. Proposition 25. Last one. Referendum on law that replaced money bail with system based on public safety and flight risk. This one, okay, so how you vote on this one is a little trickier than other ones. So I'm going to read it verbatim from the text in the ballot. Okay. A yes vote approves and a no vote rejects a law that was recently passed. Replacing money bail with a system based on public safety and flight risk. We'll talk about the public safety and flight risk thing in a second. So, if you vote yes on Prop 25, no one would pay bail to be released from jail before trial. Instead, people would either be released automatically or based on their assessed risk of committing another crime or not appearing in court if released. Which is what the the recent law is. says, if you vote no on this measure... You basically go back to a traditional cash-based bail system, which you're familiar with. Like, you get arrested, they post your bail, your bail is $100,000, a bail bondsman would, you know, pay 10%, and then your the bail bondsman is going to make sure you show up for court, and then he gets his, I don't know, he gets his money back or whatever, or he's not, I don't know. No, he's not due for the rest of the bail, right? That's how it works. Like, if you watch Dog the Bounty Hunter, or any of those other kind of trashy bail bondsman shows. So, this Proposition exists because entirely because the bail bond the the bail industry threw a bunch of money together and got this on the pro, on the ballot because the law stands the bail system is either going to go away or it's going to change drastically and some of these people are not prepared to go with that change. I'm not even sure if under the new system there's even a place for like traditional bail bondsmen or bail bondsmen companies. So I don't know that part of it. I don't know. But that's basically why this this proposition is here. I am uh, here 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 I'll spoil it. It's Jordan from the future. Uh, I had to interject here because I accidentally said I'm voting no, but I'm actually voting yes because a yes vote confirms the bail bond reform bill or law that was just passed recently. All right? So if you vote yes, you are keeping the new system. If you don't know, you're going back to the old cash-based system. All right, goodbye. Because this is an abuse of the proposition system, if you ask me. I don't want a law to be passed and then a special interest group, in this case, bail bondsmen, to throw a bunch of money at it and get a signature and to get enough signatures to get this on the proposition, to get, oh my God, to get this on the ballot 
to then overturn the law that was passed by our representatives and governor doing their job. It's absurd. Um, plus, like, the bail system is gross. It's hyper racist. It's super duper racist. There's like a hundred studies you can read. There's plenty of examples, both systemic and specific to people, where black people, uh, minorities of all kinds, uh, black men especially, don't get bail when they should simply because of their color of their of the color of their skin it's gross now look i'm not gonna kid myself a what's it called <laughs> a, a system based on a determination of public safety and flight risk is going to be racist too obviously like i'm not a fool but it does give judges it does give ags prosecutors i should say um, more leeway, and I tend to want judges and legal representatives to have more le more leeway when they can to give people a better shot. So, a, I don't think this should be on the proposition. I don't think this should be a proposition. And b, I would be against it even if I thought it should be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the bail system. The bail system punishes poor people and it rewards rich people. And I'm not like bashing rich people, but I don't want to get. I don't want to see poor people get their lives derailed because they can't afford bail. It's ridiculous. Um, if you vote for this... So remember... I <laughs> See, I almost did it wrong. If you vote no on the proposition, you get rid of the new system, which I don't even know if it's gone into effect yet. If you vote yes, you maintain the law that was passed for the... Oh, it's called SB 10. Um, you maintain SB 10, and we move to this new uh, risk assessment uh, system to release people from jail before their courts for their court dates okay so i am voting yes for all the reasons i just said oh i have a school bond uh, i probably vote yes on that too okay that's it if you have any questions uh you can email me at bgnpod at gmail.com you can Message me on Facebook at Jordan Ashcraft or the Boldly Going Nowhere page, which I don't really use. But if you send in a message, I will see the message. I will answer the message. You can message me. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Ashcraft. I post a lot of uh, bread baking videos lately. I've really gotten into baking bread. And I got a cool Baby Yoda toy that I've been taking pictures with. It's, it's, it's happening at my Instagram page is what I mean. We say this every election. You should vote. You should vote as much as you want on a ballot. If you don't feel comfortable voting yay or nay on something, don't vote on that specific thing. If you don't know who is running for your school board, don't vote for any of them. But that shouldn't mean you shouldn't vote at all. You should vote as much as you are comfortable voting. Um, oh, yeah. See, I don't even know who is running for the city council. i got to look into that still because I have not made a final decision. There's some people in my life who won't vote for Trump, which is good, but they also won't vote for Biden because in California, their vote doesn't count. And in a way that is true, their vote doesn't count. But this is what I would say to them. And this is what I would say to you if you are considering not voting for either presidential candidate. There are times in history where you have to stand up, or not, not even just history, but your life. You have to stand up for what's right and you have to stand up against what's wrong. Trump and what Trump represents is wrong. It's not a question of their conservative values. I am a progressive. I am a liberal. I don't agree with like traditional conservative values for the most part, but I don't think that just because you're conservative that you are somehow immoral, but that is not what Trump is. Trump is not a conservative. 
he is this malignant force that has poisoned the Republican Party and, by extension, poisoned our our entire political life and process in this country. And the only way to recover that, the only way to walk back from the cliff is to get rid of him. And yes, if you live in California, California's going to vote blue. We're all going to do it for you, and we're all going to make the choice for you. So in a way, I guess it doesn't matter. So if you live in a blue state, that's fine. Do what makes you happy. I can't argue with that too much. But you will look back someday, and you will hopefully regret that you didn't take a moment to stand against something that is genuinely evil and wrong and could destabilize the country and destabilize the world. Like, America has a certain hegemonic relationship with the rest of the world, and there's good and bad from that, but it does cause a certain amount of stability. If America destabilizes, the world destabilizes. Much worse um, regimes like Iran, um, China, Russia will have a more free hand to destroy people's lives, destroy countries' lives, destabilize their regions of the world because we are incompetent because our president is, besides being evil and racist and bigoted, is just a stupid man who doesn't know how to run the country or run the government, I should say. And like, is Biden the greatest candidate in the world? No, but he's fundamentally a good person. He's fundamentally a capable person. He's fundamentally a person who has experience in government and knows how to, like, turn the lights off and on, you know, pull the levers of power. He knows on a basic level what he's doing. If Biden had been president these last four years, tens of thousands of people would still be alive from COVID. I haven't even talked about the pandemic yet. That's like an unequivocal fact is that a Biden presidency or a Hillary presidency, obviously, would have seen much less casualties from COVID. Like, that's just true. There's no argument against it. So even on a that practical saving of human lives level, you should vote for Biden. You should cast, you should, like, instead of just standing by and let other people do the work for you. And again, I'm not saying voting is like the most complicated thing in the world. Obviously, it's not. But hopefully, you will regret having stood on the sidelines while other people stood up against something that is just plain evil. All right? <sighs> also, at this point, of it's only a week out. You should fill out your ballots, and then you should physically drop it off at a site. Okay? That's it. Goodbye.